Welcome to Chapel in the Pines. Uh, this Sunday morning, we're excited that you are joining us. And, and, you know, the reality is, if we think back, not that long ago, um, we wouldn't have been able to meet in this way. We wouldn't have had the technology to be able to do this. But because we live right now, because we are people that live in this moment, we're able to still meet digitally, even though we are social distancing, even though we are far apart. So we just thank God for that. So we are in Ruth. Uh, chapter 3, this is the third week of a four-week sermon series on Ruth, so I encourage you, uh, if you haven't been able to see the other services, I'm going to try to catch you up, but if you haven't been able to see them, you're able to scroll down uh, further on our website at chapelinthepines.org. Uh, you're able to scroll down further on there and see the old messages, and I really encourage you to watch them, um, because it, it just really makes... Uh, this whole story of Ruth so rich and so deep. Uh, but before we start into the text for today, let's, let's start off in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this rich scripture uh, from Ruth, this story of love and redemption and healing. And Lord, we pray that you would reach us in a special way uh, with this text, that it wouldn't just be a text that is uh, written so long ago, but it would be a text that uh, that is tangible and real to us right now, that this would matter today uh, in people's lives. So Lord, we pray that, that as we study your word, uh, that your Holy Spirit would be here and that your Holy Spirit would be with each of us, uh, just illuminating uh, what you have for us today. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would just bless uh, the words from my mouth, that they wouldn't be from me, but they'd be from you, and that you would bless the meditations of our hearts uh, as we study this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Ruth, uh, chapter 3, uh, just a quick recap of where we've been. Ruth, chapter 1, uh, sets the whole stage uh, for this, this story and, and how we've entitled this sermon series as Ruth. A story of redemption. So Ruth chapter 1 sets the stage for why redemption is necessary. Uh, we are introduced to Elimelech and Naomi, uh, this couple from, from Judah, from the town of Bethlehem. Uh, they have two sons, and they're experiencing a famine in the land. So in the famine, uh, this family sets off for the country of Moab, um, which, is, which is nearby. It's across the Dead Sea. From Judah, they set off from Moab, and in Moab, uh, they at least can find food, and they're there for a long time. We're told that they were there over ten years, um, and in the time that they're there, we read uh, this tragic story that Elimelech has passed away, and and now with the head of the household uh, gone, and that was extremely important uh, in the ancient Near East. Uh, we're left with Naomi as a widow, but at least she has her two sons that can provide for her. And then the story continues. Her sons marry Moabite women uh, named Orpha and Ruth, and, and tragically now both sons pass away. And Naomi is left brokenhearted. In her own words, she says she is, she is bitter, that God has dealt bitterly with her. And, and she sets off to go back to her home country, to go back to Judah, back to Bethlehem, where she is from, 
uh, Orpha uh, stays behind. She decides to go back with her family of origin. Uh, but Ruth, we are told, clings to Naomi and travels with her. Uh, truly the story of love between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. And that ends chapter 1. And then last week we talked about Ruth chapter 2, and we are introduced to this new character uh, in the story, this kind of no-nonsense uh, farmer named Boaz. Boaz is a, is a wealthy man. He, he's from Bethlehem. Uh, and we are told later that Boaz is actually a relative uh, of Elimelech, of Naomi's late husband. Um, and he kind of holds this title, uh, potentially, of being what's called a kinsman redeemer. This, this Old Testament idea from, uh, from a law in Leviticus uh, chapter 25, verse 25, that, that described that if a family member of yours falls under extreme hardship, uh, and Naomi is there right now, extreme hardship, that is the kinsman redeemer's role uh, to step into that situation, to bring re redemption, to bring healing, to bring restoration uh, to the entire uh, situation, to the point uh, where they actually uh, are ordered to marry the widow. And if there is not uh, heirs going forward in that name, if there's not uh, sons that have been born to carry on, um, that they are supposed to uh, have, have the firstborn son of that marriage. Uh, fill that role. So this, this is a huge obligation uh, for somebody, but it's a way, again, to bring uh, restoration and to bring healing uh, into a, a broken and hurting system. But early in chapter 1, we were told that, we were, uh, that Ruth takes place in the time of the judges. And the time of the judges is said to be a time where people didn't look to God for God's wisdom, and each person looked to themselves to judge what was right and what was wrong, uh, what, what, was, what was good to do, what was not good to do. They didn't look to things like Leviticus 25, verse 25, and say, what does this mean for me? Uh, most people were looking to their own wisdom. So that has brought us to where we are today, to, to chapter 3. And I got to tell you, uh, the story of Ruth is is a love story. Uh, and as Americans, we love a good love story. You can just tell. If, if you look up statistics, uh, I looked up some online, and, and we love uh, stories uh, about a relationship. We uh, love movies that are on this. We love songs. Uh, we love TV shows. It, it almost seems like Americans in general, we just can't get enough uh, of, these, of these stories of romance. Um, and every year, new ones come out, and every year, they're some of the top-selling uh, movies, again, books, uh, TV shows. There's some of the top, most highly rated ones are these stories of, of what often is romantic love. But also, as Americans, we love a good breakup story. Just think of, think of all the songs off the top of your head. Uh, from whatever genre uh, you like to listen to, there's, there's songs about love, and then there's songs about breakups. Uh, there's songs about uh, people who 
who are desperately in love with each other, and then there's songs about exes that can't stand each other and hate each other. And it just seems like this, this cycle that, I mean, even in the same album, uh, you can listen to, to songs for each uh, category. But we tend to, as Americans, have a very limited usage uh, and understanding of love. Uh, it's used to describe this, this romantic feeling, uh, this kind of fluffy, uh, bubbly feeling inside that one person feels towards another. If you watch these movies, you see it clear as day. I mean, these characters have known each other for sometimes less than 48 hours, and already they're madly in love. Madly in love. And, and I saw uh, a thing on social media, and it was talking about this time we live in right now, this this COVID-19 uh, era, if you will, and they were saying, uh, they were kind of making a pretend plot for a made-for-TV movie. So here it is. The made-for-TV movie, based on right now, goes a little something like this. A struggling artist uh, is, is all alone. Uh, he can't open his shop. He can't sell his art. Uh, and, and he's... And he's trying to connect to this, this video chat, this Zoom call, uh, where he can learn how to still sell his art during this time. And, and at the same time, there is an overworked, overscheduled businesswoman. And, and she's trying to connect to a Zoom meeting. And, and somehow, through fate, they ended up connecting to each other instead of the meetings they meant to. And through this, they fall in love. And, and romance happens, and they meet digitally for, let's just say, I don't know, three weeks. And, and then all of a sudden they get to meet in person when the quarantine is over. And, and romance abounds. And, uh, and the love is just so clear in every American way that we can imagine. Uh, and I just, I just found this concept so incredibly funny because the whole idea here is that of course they can't fully fall in love uh, until they're together. And of course they can't fully fall in love uh, until they uh, know each other more. And, and the reality is, in the Bible, uh, in Scripture, love is this bigger concept. It's bigger than this bubbly feeling inside. And there's a lot of of words. Many of you know of agape as, as a Greek word in the New Testament uh, that talks uh, towards love. Uh, it's the kind of love that God has for humanity. Um, and there's different terms, and, and in the Old Testament, uh, there's different language about love, and it's so important here in Ruth. So Ruth is a love story. Uh, it truly is, but it's a love story about this kind of faithful love, this loyal love, this, this true uh, love that's not uh, romantic necessarily. Uh, at least it doesn't start that way, but it's, uh, it's faithful and it's deep and it's true. So let's just dive right into the text again. Ruth uh, chapter 3 uh, is where we are. You can open your Bibles with me. Uh, Ruth is a, is a real short book. It's only four chapters long. Um, so I encourage you to read it if, if you can. If you can sit down and read it. Um, 
it's very good, and it takes maybe only about 20 minutes. But here we are, chapter 3. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV, and my, uh, my Bible gives a heading here, which, is, which was written later. The headings are not original. But it says, Ruth and Boaz at the threshing floor. Verse 1. One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you, where you will be well provided for. Now, Naomi, this whole time, has been uh, looking out for Ruth, and Ruth has been looking out for Naomi, and, and this is a, a beautiful uh, relationship. She goes on in verse 2, Naomi does, and says, Now Boaz, who we were introduced to in the last chapter, Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Remember, Ruth was invited to glean, to collect, after the harvesters in chapter 2. And she was invited to stay all the way through the barley harvest and all the way through the wheat harvest. Uh, and, and here at chapter 3, we find ourselves after those two events. So she has gleaned uh, through this entire season, been able to collect grain, uh, been able to feed the two of them. It's been hugely important. But now that time has passed. And Naomi says, Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. So Naomi goes on and she uh, invites... Ruth to, to meet him at the thrashing floor. So the thrashing floor, this is an agricultural term. Uh, they have collected all the grain, and what they do then is they make kind of this, this big pile uh, on a hard, flat surface, and, and they run animals over it so their feet, their hooves, can uh, crush it all. And once it's all crushed, uh, then they're able to toss the grain in the air, uh, and the the parts that are not the grain, the, the other uh, material, uh, flies away in the wind. They toss it up in the wind, and the grain, that's heavier, falls back down, and they're able to collect the grain in that way. So the harvest is done. Now it is time to do this other set of hard work, and Naomi encourages Ruth to meet Boaz uh, out, out at the thrashing floor. She goes on to verse 3, Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. And go down to the thrashing floor, but do not let him know that you are there until he finishes eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Now this needs a little bit of explaining here, because uh, a lot of people read this. There's kind of two schools of thought, I should say. Some people think Naomi is telling her, uh, to go kind of make an advance uh, at Boaz, to do something uh, potentially sexual here. And, and then there's a whole other school of thought that says, no, 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 that's not what she's saying. Now, the reality is when, when there's a big debate between scholars, uh, we're not entirely sure exactly what Naomi's saying. Some people think of Naomi as being manipulative here, that she has become bitter and that she's come back to the land and now she's trying to be kind of the ultimate manipulator of a situation. And yet other people look at Naomi and they think that she is uh, faithful and good in what she is trying to have accomplished. Now a couple of things that are worth noting. The beginning of verse 3 says, Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Chances are Ruth would have been wearing the clothes of a grieving widow uh, up until this point. It was a certain set of clothing that she would have been wearing to show that she was grieving. So um, now she's, she's encouraged by Naomi to move past 
uh, those grieving clothes, to put on the clothes uh, of a young single woman uh, in their time. Wash, put on perfume, get ready, and to meet Boaz, uh, it goes on. Says, Ruth says, I will do what you say. So she went down uh, to the thrashing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, he was in good spirits, and he went to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and laid down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian, redeemer, or kinsman, redeemer, for our family. Now, what is going on here? So, so she uncovers his feet, and then when he notices her, she says, spread uh, your garment over me, which is actually this uh, language in the Bible for marriage. Ruth is being incredibly bold. She has approached Boaz, and now that he knows her, he says, she says, I'm Ruth, uh, who is here, and she, she is proposing. She literally says, uh, marry me, because uh, you are the guardian redeemer, or the kinsman redeemer, uh, for our family. Uh, Ruth, here, it's, it's, God is using Ruth's boldness uh, to, to accomplish his will. Boaz goes on, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do all that you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Now, all the people of the town know that Ruth is a woman of noble character. But the other side of that is all the people of the town also know that Ruth is a foreigner. That she has arrived as this poor widow from Moab. And there's a lot of strife between people of Judah and people of Moab. Uh, deep, deep historical uh, tension that is going on here. So, uh, Boaz if he's going to accept this, is, is somewhat taking a risk. He's somewhat putting his own reputation on the line to say, uh, I'm, I'm seen uh, as an upright man. I'm seen as a, as a man of noble character um, in this society and in this time. And I'm going to risk that to bless Ruth. And not just to bless her with the grain that he's already blessed her with. He certainly did that. Uh, in chapter 2, and he continues on. But he's going to now bless her and, and uh, bring redemption to this entire situation. And it's this beautiful picture in Scripture of, of God's faithfulness. And, and Boaz, in a lot of ways, he represents God and his faithfulness towards his people. Um, but he goes on. He says... Uh, you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of the family, there is another who is more closely related 
than I am. This is news to Naomi and it's news to Ruth here. Um, he says, stay the night and in the morning, um, as your guardian redeemer, I will go and I will redeem you. And if, and if this other man, uh, who's actually a closer relative, is unwilling to, um, as surely as the Lord lives, uh, I will. So she stayed there until the morning, and as she left, he gives her, again, more grain, uh, six measures of barley he placed in a bundle for her, and she went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi, Naomi asked her, how did it go, my daughter? When she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. And that ends chapter 3. So we are left on this cliffhanger. Uh, Ruth has gone in, in extreme boldness. And she's gone before Boaz and, and, and asked him directly, Will you redeem me? Will you redeem uh, Naomi and, and Elimelech's line? Will you do that by marrying me? Uh, she just directly asked him. And, and God is using the generosity of Boaz. He's using uh, the, the kind of cultural awareness of Naomi to know that this is a possibility. And he's using uh, the boldness uh, of Ruth to bring about his purposes in the world. And uh, as I reflected just on that a little bit, um, I started thinking about how God uses each one of us uh, in our world. That it's not always that God simply just kind of kind of shoots lightning bolts and, and just makes things happen and, and, and kind of controls everything, micromanages everything. Often when God has a plan for his people, he uses his people. And he uses gifts that he has already given them uh, to accomplish such things. Now it brings me to this, this idea that I talked about in the beginning of Ruth being this love story. Now, there's this Old Testament word, uh, and I don't often talk about uh, Greek and Hebrew words, but there's this, this Hebrew word, hesed. Now, if you're going to spell it out in English, it would just be H-E-S-E-D, hesed. Um, and hesed is, is this word that reflects the character of God. It's about God faithfully loving his children God faithfully caring for them. You see, when God appears to Moses, um, God describes himself as being filled with hesed, or abounding in hesed. And as you look at different English translations, it's translated different ways. Um, this idea of being filled with hesed sometimes is translated to love and faithfulness. Or unfailing love, faithful love, steadfast love, and loyal love. So it's this 
this idea of not necessarily the, the romantic side, but kind of the faithfulness side uh, of love. It's, it's used in scripture here to talk about Ruth's uh, love for Naomi, her mother-in-law. Uh, it's called Hesed here. Uh, just as God's relationship with God's people is also called Hesed. You see, God is faithful. God is seeking after. God is, is watching out for and trying to bring redemption uh, to his children. And in the part that is so faithful about God's love is unlike in these romantic movies that I talked about earlier where, where we love the romance story and then we just as quickly love the breakup story. Uh, the story of, of a couple getting together and the story of exes that hate each other. That's not how God operates. That's not how God operates in his, in his hesed, uh, faithful love. Uh, God is a God that seeks after his children. And we all know that we all constantly fall short. That we all constantly do things we know we shouldn't do. That we are unfaithful to God. That we are constantly um, participating in things, whether it's, whether it's attitudes or actions, uh, that we know are not right. Or we just, we just even consciously don't do things that we know we should. Uh, but yet God is faithful. It's, it's not our uh, actions that, that make God faithful. It's God's character uh, that is brought out here. And, and this story of Ruth is just such a beautiful example of seeing this hesed love of God. God is a redeemer. God. He's one that brings restoration and healing. He's one that provides for the needs of his people and who looks after the vulnerable and the afraid. And that doesn't end when the book of Ruth ends. That doesn't end when scripture ends. It doesn't end someplace in history. That continues today. That this God that you that you see behind the scenes in the book of Ruth is still just as alive and active uh, in our world today and in, and in your life as well as mine. This, this God that is faithful, this God that is loyal, that is seeking after us and seeking after our well-being, that is providing and caring. You see, we often turn our backs on God. But we can live and trust that our God never turns his back on us. We may walk away from God. We may, we may make decisions in life at, at certain points where we uh, decide to journey away from God. But uh, it's, it's like the prodigal son story that, that Jesus tells. As soon as the prodigal turns around, and comes back, the Father is there to welcome him with open arms. And it's the same in our own lives. If we are walking far from God uh, in this area of our life or in that area, if we turn around, if we turn back to God, if we make uh, the effort not to just say, I'm sorry and continue walking in the way that we're walking, but, but to make a, a change to stop to say that we're sorry and to turn around and, and walk back to God, that God is right there. 
Uh, it's a beautiful thing. In the, in the prodigal son story, the son turns around and he has to make this long journey home. Uh, and when, when he becomes in sight, the father runs to him and wraps his arms around him. Now, what's even more beautiful in our own lives is that the moment we turn around, we realize how close God has been the entire time. When we're walking away from him, we don't see him. We don't see him around, but as soon as we turn around, he's right there. He's already hugging us. He's hugging us before we even know it. So if, if that is a redemption that you need, you can trust in a faithful God this morning. You can trust in a God that, that is there, that cares for you, that has this, this hesed love for you. And if you need help uh, processing that, if you need help praying through that, sometimes it's helpful to do that with other people. And I encourage you to reach out uh, to, to family or friends, people that you know love God, uh, that are close to God. And, and if you want to reach out to us uh, at Chapel of the Pines, we would love that. Um, if you go on our website, you can see uh, different contact information for getting connected with, with me or, or with other staff members. And, and we would just love to even just pray with you through that experience of, of turning back to a loving God a faithful God, a loyal 